This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Nextlander podcast. Here we are, episode 72. It is a delicious fall day here on the east coast just eat it up like a fresh apple alex navarro how are you doing i'm doing great man i got it's hoodie weather all the way through i am cherishing every damn day we get of this because once november rolls around i know it's uh going to be more than hoodie weather brad shoemaker video games and fall crisp weather can you ask for anything more uh can i have 10 million dollars you can ask for it I, it turns out I can ask for more. Yeah. <laughs> Why ask for 10? Go for 20. Hmm. How about 30? I, why not 40? $10 million worth of apple cider, I mean. Uh, that's No, you cannot ask for that. That is an illegal amount of apple cider. That's, oh, man, that stuff's going to ferment by the time you get to the the bottom end of that $10 million worth of cider. Oh. I mean, basically, I think if you had, I would say if you had 10, I'm no businessman, but I'm going to say if you had $10 million of apple cider, you are probably running an apple cider business at that point. Like you, we have $10 million of inventory. That's probably an apple cider business. Yeah, we have a business and we have one customer, me. 
<laughs> you do really enjoy that much apple cider? Not that much, no. Okay. I don't think a I've hard- ever enjoyed anything that much. You have to choose hard apple cider or mold apple cider. Mm. Wait. What do you mean by mold? Like a hot mold. Oh, okay. Like mold, spiced, okay. Yeah, yes. spiced apple cider. I might lean alcohol just because I don't love hot cider as much as other people do. I'm, I will never turn it down. Okay. But I, it's not the thing I go for initially. I like a okay. cold cider. Brad, Alex is wrong. What is your, what mm-hmm. would you say? You got me. You <laughs> can't decide. Uh, th- th- this was the one that broke you? This you put is me it. on the spot and I'm just like, fuck, I don't know, man. How about some mead? You got mead. mead how about, you're talking about mold. How about some honey wine? Some honey wine? Sure. Yes. I'm going to take the hot mold apple cider because I feel like you could always just get a beer or something. True. The, mm-hmm. But like, man, and that, when you're chilly and that spiced cider comes out, that's just, that's just good. Also, it's a great reason to hold on to some kind of crock pot. It's a, uh, even if, uh, even if you've gotten rid of all the rest or the instant pot, that's what it's called. The instant yes. pot. Make your cider in there. Ah, oh, well, we got video games. The cider that sat down beside her was a video game. Hang no? on. Yeah. The cider. That, what? No. Cider. Cider. Go on. It's Is there more? Little, little Miss Muffet. Aha. Sat okay. on a Tuffet. Playing, playing some <laughs> scorn and <laughs> playing tail requiem. That's, that's a long you're like percent like of the way there. <laughs> Look, we missed, we missed our morning workshop. Okay, yeah. Long <laughs> came a rabid and sat down. Does it have to rhyme with rabid? Okay, oh boy, that's a rough one. Along came a spark out of the dark and said wait i'm mixing it now i'm th- doing uh uh what a good boy am i okay we've just lost the thread here we that's super uh, d- i'm not sure we ever had it that's the uh, uh little jack horner in the uh-huh. corner and little miss muffet boom video game that's now it's now it's my dice what are you doing now you're doing dice clay yeah, i'm doing my dice <laughs> yes i've come listen uh 72 episodes the intro well mm-hmm. has run dry but uh, clearly we- we do have a bunch of video games this week. We've got Mario and Rabbit, Sparks of Hope. We've got Scorn. We've got Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. We've got a Plague Tale Requiem. We've got some grounded updates for games. you. There are games. S- there are so many video games that video games have actually begun to permeate my dreams this week. Ooh. Forgot, I forgot what this was like. like what, tell me. I want to hear about your gaming dreams. So I almost never remember my dreams, and that's how I know this was a meaningful one, because I woke up basically from a start being like, holding on to the details of it because at some point this week i had a dream where i invented what i'm going to call the perfect naked gun video game let's hear it all right go for the pitch here we go it's it's recorded here so you own it it's really fucking easy it's just la noir and sleeping dogs but with frank drebin Hmm, okay okay but is it more la noir than sleeping dogs is frank drebin smashing heads indoors I mean, the interrogation mechanics from L.A. Noir need basically no tweaking, especially to the facial animations. They might as well just stay as they are. Okay. But yeah, the idea, like, I've always enjoyed slapstick comedy in games, and I'd always bemoan the fact that very few games ever actually try to do it well. Uh, and Intentionally. Intentionally. Yeah. And the thing is, you can never make a big-budget open-world comedy game anymore because we saw what happened to Saints Row. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, like, I... I think somewhere between learning that Liam Neeson is being tapped to star in a Naked Gun reboot. What? 
That's that's a real thing. That's apparently at least in talks to happen. You know, what? everybody's favorite comic actor. Yes. Wait, Liam no, Neeson. this is where John Hamm comes in. This, John Hamm should be oh, yeah. Frank Drebin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, John Hamm, you want to be a comedic actor so yeah. much? Here you go. But here's the thing. No, like, nobody is in... John Hamm is not in as bad a need of a, like, a personality rebrand as Liam Neeson, <laughs> I think, kind of is. Because all gonna- he's doing is Charles Bronson shit now. What am I going to do with my Liam Neeson in profile holding a gun collection? It's it's going to it's going to dwindle, or maybe maybe it's going to go up. I mean, now you have an Irish Frank Drebin. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you, but like, well, hey, after 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 Naked Gun once again becomes the biggest thing at the box office. Uh huh. You can hang on to those, and they will become valuable. Oh my gosh! So Wait, is this this like, is re- this that's is a not, real thing. Just, got some. You can just have some rare Neesons to hang on to and dole out as necessary. So the dream was definitely a lot of like open world, you know, st- like open world Vinny stupidity, like just a Great, lot of, you. you know, hey, you know, you're, you're dealing with a hostage situation in like a GTA type mission. And so here's Frank Drebin to drive a police tank through a house like okay, he does so, in Naked Gun 2. So GTA. Uh, I, I could see it. But, I was, but it was also I was hoping. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just saying, but it also started to float into other areas where there was a part where it, the game basically turned into comedy Madden, where Frank Drebin had mm-hmm. to pretend to be the quarterback for a football team, but he was like a twenty-rated quarterback, so okay. he was basically couldn't do anything, and it was just turning into comedy football. And I look, I'm not saying you could just throw a f- mini football game into an open world crime game. That would be a lot of development resources, uh-huh. but it started to like the dream morphed into a variety of different game parodies and all these things. And I just, I, I, I was, it was so vivid and so real in my mind I, that I feel like I have to make it happen somehow. Brad, what were you going to say? I was hoping for Hitman, except everything that was deadly is now slapstick. So here's the thing. I pitched that when I did that pitch, please podcast a year or two ago. That was literally my pitch. Okay. Idiot Hitman was my game concept. And I still think you can do that separately. But yes, what I'm saying is it is a time to return to the era of the Zucker of Zuckers and Jim Abrams and bring it to video games. Don't worry. There's a Zucker born every minute. Mm-hmm. Dude, um, just not the one that went like hard right wing leave that okay. guy over there mm. what were I'm looking at this list of games mm-hmm. what did you play that inspired this dream because there's nothing on this list that is even oh it's Plague Tale Requiem he must have been looking at the artwork for that and thought comedy I, I <laughs> comedy truly don't know man. I might have been thinking about LA Noir at some point mm. in the last week or so and it, it just it just That's again fair. it things tend to infect the brain and then somehow it turns those into images Okay. And this is the most coherent dream I've had in years. I still don't like this Liam Neeson as Frank Drebin. I mean, I like Liam Neeson. Yeah. I just think having just seen the trailer for Fletch Lives and thought, man, why is why is John Hamm doing this? He would, I think, he would be perfectly cast. Oh, he's a total Drebin like. Like, yeah, he absolutely right. has that li- that that um that Leslie that, Nielsen. Wait, yeah, like, wait, did they just hire Liam Neeson because it sounds like Leslie Nielsen? Oh, huh. boy. oh boy! Oh man! Oh boy! I hope I hope oh, it's not fuck. that lazy. Really? Okay. Did we just solve the mystery? Okay. LN is back. Oh. Uh, <laughs> if you just if you if you're drunk enough, you get Liam Nielsen. Liam. Liam Nielsen. Liam Nielsen. Leslie Neeson. It almost works. It almost works. Um. Do you get Hightower back? 
Uh, y- y- yes, but you don't cast OJ Simpson, is what I'm saying. Wait, is it Hightower? Is Hightower from Police Squad? No, Hightower is in both. But it's, it's so in in Police Squad, it's a really tall guy who you never see the face of. Yeah, like the like, camera never pans yes, up. Yes, but then he becomes OJ Simpson in the movies. Dude, do you know? Do you know what happened with OJ in the last few years? I'm let's just I'm just gonna say this very quickly. <laughs> okay. and last we few should, years, we should, uh-huh. and then we should talk about video game, with the book in particular is what I'm saying. Like the one that was a if I did it book, or yes. is there another one? Yes, yes. Do you know? But you know, you know the whole sequence of events there. Well, I know the book got canned. Yes. So the, the existence of it got leaked. So he wrote it and the existence of it got leaked. And then the publisher killed it mm-hmm. like like weeks before it came out. No, and like a few copies got out there. The part that's wild, though, he, it's called If I Did It. Mm-hmm. The book was then awarded to the Goldman family as as for as as damages, essentially, like he lost huh. that civil suit. And so they own the rights to it was ordered to pay damages to the the Goldman family and like didn't have the assets to cover what he was ordered to pay. So they took ownership of that book, among other things, an unpublished book. They then published it. Oh, boy. Oh, I missed that part with a cover treatment. You should go look this up. Oh, boy. Same title, but the the treatment of the cover now in like giant red letters says I did it. And, And the word if appears as this tiny tiny oh little my inset God. in the letter i so if you're just walking through the airport or whatever <laughs> and you glance at the book stand <laughs> there is just a giant there a book and i think i think i assume there's a photo of him on the cover as well no it's, it's just a, a bloody, bloody footprint. footprint oh okay even, and then also even, the yes. subtitle says confessions it, of the killer the yeah, killer gi- gigantic i did it <laughs> but Holy i shit. will say nowhere on the cover still the same title it does have a cigarette that says the authorized version. Nowhere on the cover of this one that I'm looking at does OJ appear because it says Fred Goldman and Kim Goldman as the um, as the authors on it. Uh, I, there might be other so covers. I'll just say real quick in my dream, Hightower was there, but he was played by Marshawn Lynch for some reason. Okay. And that worked really well in my mind. Also, the dream ended with me and Luis Hernandez, who is the co-developer of Jazz Punk, trying to pitch this to AAA developers and no one listening. Really? Yeah. Well, that's because I just in my mind, Jazz Punk guys are the guys to help bring this to fruition for some reason. I believe it. I believe it. I believe in your dream, Alex. I want this to happen. I want to make it real. Comedy and video games very hard. It's extremely hard, and that's probably why no one does it, but also comedy needs to live again. Comedy yes, barely exists in movies anymore. We need to unironically laugh. Yes. Um, America needs laughter, damn it. No, but unironic laughter. Yeah. We need Send to be genuine. laughing w- with everyone, not at everyone. Hey, 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 you know what's funnier than it should be? Is, is the rabbit's shtick. In the new video game, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Let's do it. Transition. Here we go. I feel feel like I shouldn't find it funny. It shouldn't work as well on me as it does. It's like, in my mind, it's one step up from the Minions. No, there. No, it's not even a step up. It's the same. Oh, gosh, you guys. No, I like the Minions. I'm not (laughs) anti-Minions. Let me be clear. I think the Minions can be funny, too. I, I have laughed profusely at the first couple of hours of Sparks of Hope. Like so, the, the rabid voices. Yes, notwithstanding, or you like them? No, like they're a big part of it. Okay. Like, so what is like, what is, did, 
Did they all talk in the front? Okay, no. yeah, like everything I have to say about this game, and particularly the uh, previous game, mm-hmm. should be taken with the knowledge that it was five years ago. Okay. And I've forgotten almost everything about that game, but did they talk? No. Not like as this. much. There was no. There was, there was no, a lot of grunts, a lot of wah sounds. Bebo did, Bebo did not have a, a voice oh, actor. Did Bebo not even. Yeah, that's no. right. Bebo didn't even talk. Yeah. There was, Bebo there, never shuts up now. Yes. But, Bebo and the rabbids were oh, more you mean like C3 wah! Bebo. Was, C3, yes. yes. Okay, sure. Uh, I, yeah. Dude, I, I like Rabbit Luigi's voice is like not even remotely anything to do with Luigi's voice, and I find it very funny. Okay. This is the thing that throws me is that. Yes, Mar- Mar- Rabid Luigi is basically one of the Burger King Kids Club members, uh-huh. uh, and but they made Mario Rabid, like Rabid Mario, sound more like Mario than Chris Pratt does, and that he's, shit is really fucking insane. From from what I've seen so far, Rabid Luigi gets full lines, and Rabid Mario mostly is still just grunting and like single words here and there. I haven't I used, maybe, maybe he gets lines later. He I haven't used Rabid Mario in the game, so I assume he has barks like everyone else he after does. he kills somebody. Yeah, he does. So does he not have real words after he... Uh, I thought he, oh, sometimes my he son does. was using them. Doesn't he do like a one, two, or something like when he's punching he's, he's guys? Pretty, he's pretty guttural. Uh, but you I know like, what he sounds like? He sounds like Bob Hoskins Mario. Sure. <laughs> okay. And that's uh, great. Or, yeah. Or, or Eddie Valiant, for that matter. Yeah. There's just a bit of that in there. Uh, I... Maybe it's just because I've been using Rabid Peach a lot. I don't know. Rabid Peach, I'm not a big fan of the... Uh, uh, I, I think it fits the character, but the uh, barks from, from her. She, she sounds the most like a rabid of the main cast of rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a it little does. bit of that, like, wah, to it. <laughs> yes, for sure. But that, that game seems pretty good. It's... it's yeah, so uh, that's We're talking about Mario Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Yeah. Yes, we're talking about Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, the sequel to Mario and Rabbids, the, the crossover uh, five years ago. What's the subtitle of that one? Of, of end of the century. Was it with Mario plus Rabbids? Kingdom, Kingdom Battle. Battle. Kingdom Battle, which was um, kind of uh, a, a lighter XCOM, a tactical tactical shooter with the Mario team and the Rabbids team, grid-based, movement-based. Mario gun. Action, action point-based. This one- um, Two guns. This is two guns. This one switches things up a bit and lets you kind of freeform run around within a zone of movement on your turn. Uh, yeah. And, and that's that's maybe the biggest difference. It's a lot more kinetic and a I, lot less turn. It's still yes. turn-based, but what's the, what am yeah. I looking for? Um, grid-based. It's a lot less well, grid-based. Less gritty, yes. The, the, the movement is just different because like, you're not expending action points to move anymore. You can... Within certain constraints, you can run around within a defined range as much as you want on your turn. And right? reposition between yeah. characters. The the only restriction that I know of is that once you shoot, once yes. you use your primary weapon, your gun, you can't move anymore. And that's different. So they, um, they make a big note of, hey, for some reason, you can't do this now. But you've got, so you've got, what is it? You've got a primary weapon. You've got a spark ability. The sparks are the... Uh, Space the They're rabid space stars. chickens. <laughs> yes, the, yeah, the rabid lumas. Yes, this is very much galaxy meets rabbits. Yeah, this 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 game feels very Mario Galaxy tinged. But so you got your primary weapon, your spark ability based on whichever spark you have equipped on that character, and the third ability is like built in for each character, right? Yeah, that's their like hero ability. Yeah, Mario's got Overwatch. Uh, like Rabbit Peach can heal in a radius, et cetera, et cetera. But um. Those all use action points, but don't cons- the other two don't constrain your movement, right? It's only shooting your gun is what stops you from moving. So they, they, you're, I boy, believe that's right. I 
can you i don't know if you can move after you use the hero ability i'm trying to think i don't think I you can reposition be. mario after you use okay, his overwatch could, you might be right actually. you can i he th- might be able to move after the spark ability because some of those are radius based for the action i'm not 100 percent sure now yeah, that you mentioned the, it. anyway the, the upshot though is that, like letting you giving you just real f- free movement on the stick to just run around in this area that they give yeah. you uh it just feels looser and like like kind of gives you more tactical options like you could like you could run up and do one thing and then run back over to your other character and do the team jump and like move somewhere else before you end your turn or whatever. Because they've added that dash ability where you can just run up on yeah. a guy and basically just like slam into him oh, for a decent yeah, amount of damage. So th- sorry, they had the that. New? No, they had that, but it was also grid based. Yeah. It was also okay. Uh, yeah. So the way it works right, so here is yeah. different. Right. I forgot the dash was is the fourth category where dash is basically just a melee. But you yeah. have to get right up on an enemy and you can dash through them and do damage. Yeah, I so mean, like you can you can run out into the field, dash somebody, mm-hmm. and then run back behind cover and do another thing, and then team jump somewhere else. So it, the two big feels, places, I've, it's cool. I, I, yeah, it's it's different for sure. The two big places I've seen it come into play are the team jump stuff. You kind of have to position characters in certain ways so that they're within the boundary movement boundary of each other. So you're constantly moving a character around for a T jump team jump, switching back and moving that other character to someplace else. Tactical. The other thing is some, uh, we saw it in, we streamed a little bit on Monday and you could see it there. There are certain characters, for example, that die when they died, had an AOE attack. And if you can switch to your other character, you might be able to run out of the way of that AOE. Cause there's like a countdown. You can, um, dash bomb, bombs, bombs. And then you have a limited amount of time to free control throw those uh, uh, bob-ombs. bob-ombs. And there are like level puzzles and, and aspects that require you to like throw bob-ombs at them. So those, um, that free movement is very different than uh, the, the original one. So I think yeah. during, during the battles, there's a lot less, uh, uh, you know, minute turn-based stuff and a a little bit more your whole team is going how do you want to do this it's like uh you can switch between characters whenever you want so you don't have to commit to one character do their move and you could do that in the other one but uh, in the previous one but this feels like i'm going to move mario here i'm going to switch back to peach i'm going to use peach to team jump then i'm going to move mario back to another spot uh where i can uh, uh maneuver better it's it's really interesting. It did seem like they got rid of the upgraded weapons and replaced it with sparks. So in the original one, weapons had damage types, and it seems like the sparks are basically taking that place as yeah. like a damage type. So you and there's also your- a skill tree, which you're building up over time, and though it is individual skill trees for each character, they're pretty similar, and also, like you said, I think we mentioned this when we streamed it. Uh, whenever you level up, all your characters level up. You're not indiv- leveling up individual characters right. by using them in battle. When yeah, you also, a, the, a the, point. the skill points are refundable when you put them yeah. into skills on the tree. You can just reassign all those at will. It's very lenient. Yeah, it's generous. Generous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty loose about progression and stuff. And they have an auto auto skill up if you want to change that over so you don't have to keep going in and leveling everyone up. You can carry, it seems like so far, I've unlocked three slots. I'm pretty sure that's where it's going to max out at three um, in, in a battle at a time. You start out with two, and then once you get your, your third character. Did you get Bowser yet? No. Okay, because I'm not sure if, like, if they were going to bring it to four, I feel like that's when they would probably do it. But I feel like you're right. I think everything I've seen of that game has been three characters. I would, I mean, maybe they'll give you four, but uh, I got Edge, and that was, they kept that slot open, I feel like, for Edge. Which we got to talk about Edge. 
We got to talk about Edge. They straight up put a damn anime mid 2000s yeah. emo scene kid hot, rabid hot topic character. Yeah. Like I that like rabbit has a flaming Dragon Ball button up shirt. <laughs> I like it. No, she's great, but it's also just like it's it's ridiculous. But it's the kind of ridiculous I would not have expected a Mario versus Rabbids <laughs> game to seize on. But I respect it because they know exactly yeah. who Edge is. No, uh, who Edge is is a neon white character <laughs> uh, with with this big cloud sword. That, yeah, uh, I, I I think I really like Edge's ability as well, which is throw the boomerang the sword out and hits everything in its path and boomerangs back. It's a yeah, it's a good ability for her basic attack. But you're out there story wise basically going to save the luma the sparks which are luma rabbits and it's their the world universe and, it's yeah, in trouble it's, there's yeah, a dark like, force out there i think you mean dark mess there's yeah, dark mess there's cursa yeah it's uh it's kind of a dark mess of a story but it's pretty it's pretty light so far rosalina is mentioned in places like oh no the lumas i almost thought it was being implied that Ros- rosalina became cursa oh no Don't- do they have a similar gown? I'm not sure. Maybe I missed Rosalina mostly just has a big, big blue dress, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, it does yeah. float. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, so it's world-based. So after you get through the prologue, you kind of get in your new spaceship, which has a new AI called Genie, and you go and you land on a world, which I didn't realize this kind of until we got into the next world. They're themed worlds kind of like, uh, more like Odyssey, I'd say, uh, where... Mm-hmm. Each each world is themed. It has its own world coin, which is unique to the world. So as you do events in the world, you can spend the world coin very much like Odyssey on upgrades in that world. The first one you get to is kind of this um, uh, Greek slash Roman god world where the warden of the world is this cowardly Neptune and you kind of battle your way getting rid of the black goo the dark mess mm-hmm. bingo bango bongo baby that's it that's what okay i've been i i as i'm sitting here playing this game and i've played an umpteen number of games that have used some version of this i'm trying to track back to what the actual inciting point was for every stand-in for an evil force being a goopy mess all over everything Ooh, what is the first? I'm like, not necessarily the first, but what is the one that created this popularization point? Like a black tar-like thing that just covers everything? Yeah, it's like covering the universe or just the environments or whatever. Yeah. Like, it just feels like everything is doing that. Now, like, Splatoon does that shit. Like, mm. like, and Nintendo, like, Nintendo seems to be the one that's most recently seized on that. But, like, that's been going on for a bit. Yeah. It's a, that's a good question. I don't, I would have to do research. I could do a doctorate yeah. on the origins of the goopy mess. And then the, when you beat the thing, it clears up. Uh, it's, it's an easy thing. Like we thing. literally just played Mass Effect Andromeda. And that's, that whole thing revolves around there being a big giant mess around the galaxy that they just arrived in. Remember? Just got to clean it up. Then you can open up. You can open up paths. Uh, as you clean up the mess on the world, you get the Lumas that are trapped in, or the, I'm sorry, the Sparks that are trapped in that uh, area, which gets you new abilities, conveniently usually themed towards the world you're on. So if you're on an ice world, maybe you'll have a ice Luma. Maybe you'll want to bring that burn Luma. Uh, and then afterward, which I didn't expect either, there's a bunch of side stuff to clean up. Uh, there are like non mission critical things you could be doing to get coins and secrets and areas and talk to the rabbits and do what you need to do on the world. 
some of some of the writing on the rabbit NPCs is pretty funny. It's pretty. Um, it's not bad. Yeah. The first one was also pretty pretty uh, well yeah, done. Yeah, the, the sense of humor is pretty good. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm still on that first world. I kind of have ignored the story a lot, and I'm just running around. Like, there's a lot of little environmental puzzles to solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and stuff like just real minor. Mostly seems to yield those like the world currency. Yes, the world, world coins. coins. Get the cube, get the triangle, put the, yeah, put the pyramid in the pyramid box. There's like there's a bunch of random fights to get into around the map and, and like a bunch of little side quests and puzzles to solve. It's like there's a decent amount of meat on it, it feels like. It's it's very like I think that stuff is pretty novel. I've enjoyed exploring what little I've explored so far. I do feel like the frequency of battles and especially like low level battles that don't really do much other than remove some enemies that are wandering around the world, like I feel like it's maybe a little high. You you get your experience from uh, completing a battle. I do not. We talked about this on the stream. I don't think you get more experience for killing more enemies because there are a lot of battles that you could infinitely farm like right. that. So it's probably battle based. But you do get some XP. You. It's not that you don't either, get anything for it. It just feels like with the the benefit for them other than solving a specific quest for a person. It's like kill this number of Goombas, please. Sure, sure. It just yes, doesn't it, seem very high. Did either of you figure out exactly what the dash mechanic does before battle when you enter into a random battle? And it, oh, you, okay, I just do clear. it. I just do it as well. I don't. I don't know if it gives you some kind of um, boost or maybe there's like or a turn something. advantage or something. Yeah, maybe you maybe you only get first turn if you dash them. Yeah, which it seems like impossible not to dash them. <laughs> you just can jam on the button as you're running into a, a an enemy. Uh, I think the only thing that I wish. I don't know if I would turn it on or not if given the option. An undo button. <laughs> like for some of those things, I have I have goofed up just oh, yeah. one too many times in the battle. I'm like, I didn't think that's what was gonna happen. And you know, you kind of put yourself out of your entire strategy at that point. Yeah. There is Yeah, you you can restart from the beginning of the battle, but that's the best yeah. you can do. There, on the team jump, it's interesting because it is a lot of real-time movement. You get this little timed helicopter pad, this little float pad, and it takes a couple of turns to realize what the distance on that is. It's not exactly clear until you've done it a couple of times, and it is something you can upgrade to get an extended flight time on, but you will, I think, want to be a little careful in... You will fall in a pit if you try to go over a gap or something like that, but it is interesting... The positional play in this one is a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the 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 team jump is literally just the character you're controlling. You run up to the other character and hit a button, and then it just launches you in the air, and you helicopter over to wherever. Yeah. Um, it's made the maps more vertical. I don't remember if this the first game had any aspect of this or not, but there's some maps even in that first world that are like two or even three different heights of terrain you can get onto, which has been really useful for tactical positioning of like, Oh, if I can just get over here, I can do the team jump over on top of this building, which will get me line of sight on these two guys that are taking cover that I couldn't have that I had a zero percent hit chance on previously. Like it's fun to set up, set up kind of flanking and stuff with that with that jump. They they had team jump in the last one, and they had it felt like more pipes in a, in the last ones. At least what I'm yeah, up to so far. I remember a so lot far. of pipes in that first I also one. Remember, yeah, yeah that, I mean that could come. I'm only up to world two so far uh, on this, and um, you know, it's got uh, it's got a decent amount in it. I-, I thought the worlds would go by a lot faster, but I don't think there are that many worlds total. So yeah, they don't look that big, but there is a surprising amount of stuff usually kind of buried in there. It seems like, and uh, you know, the the weird rabid universe that we are now in is. <laughs> 
it's weird. It, it, the Mario Rabbid world Splinterverse is an interesting I one. I don't know if this is like the result of changing of the guard at Nintendo or whatever, but like just letting other people go a little wild with Nintendo properties is kind of nice to see. It is, but again, it's also very funny. And I mean, this is the case of the first game, but especially obvious here when they kind of intro with him doing his cool gun pose. It is very funny the second they give Mario to someone else, they hand him a gun. Yep. Sure. It's good stuff. Uh, one one other thing I have to say about this thing. We give the Switch a lot of grief, deservedly, for being extremely long in the tooth. This is a damn good looking Switch game, and it runs very well and looks very sharp in handheld mm. mode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was, like, even shocked. in handheld. Okay, I hadn't tried well, I, it in handheld. I, I played a bunch of it in handheld mode so far, and I was just like, damn, this is like nice steady frame rate like very sharp looking like one of the better looking switch games i've seen in a long time i can't say that looking at it on my tv has been super impressive like it looks nice but there's a like definitely a little bit of like you can kind of hone in on some of the details they're kind of fudging a little bit Hmm. but like in handheld mode yeah it feels like that game works the way it's supposed to my only my only performance complaint are very small loads going into menus and stuff like that seems going into your um, where you upgrade characters and when you load into a menu, it's it doesn't happen immediately. You have to hit like a little bit of a load. Sometimes going into houses on the map gets you into a load screen too, and sometimes there's nothing in there but the, but a little rabid dialogue, and that feels like a waste of my 15 to 20 seconds, which isn't a big deal. It's just one of those things that performance wise, I'd appreciate if you didn't if there weren't a load going into the map or something like mm-hmm. that. That's that's about it. Yeah. That's it's yeah. very small. Uh, but other than that, uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I There's a decent amount of complexity in your build, and I think that's going to be interesting. How you build out your Luigi's from how I build out my Luigi, I think is going to be very different. What you think the spark you should be using? I just, I appreciate that the class for Rabbit Luigi is described as pest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and regular Luigi is sneaky. Sneaky. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a sniper. That's it. He's yeah. a sniper man. I I I mostly I want to say I used Rabid Mario, Rabid Luigi, and Mario. You couldn't change out Mario in the first one. Is you could right? not. He was in okay. everything. Um, oh, can you change him out here? Yes, I haven't even can. tried. I've only I've only swapped out the other. Yeah, you can swap to any here, any pair of heroes you want. Uh, did was it four in the first one? I want to say I had a healer in there too, but maybe I didn't all the time. Ra- it was Ra- it was all the current characters minus Bowser and Edge. Okay. In the first but was game. it do you remember how many at a time? I I thought it topped out at 3. But I think I it topped out at 3. That's what I, I thought too. the game, but I remember 3. Cuz I cuz I I remember thinking Rabid Mario was awesome. He had this ability kind of like Edge where you could draw people in and then suck people in and then do a super that hit all of these people. He had a big hammer in the in the other one. And then Rabid Luigi was just just ruthless with his sniper stuff on Overwatch. He would just take people out it's I, I love that combo stuff i love comboing uh different abilities and like i said i think being able to swap between different sparks different uh tree stuff and different uh loadouts on your team is going to have a lot of interesting variability for what people think is the way to go through one of these games and yeah, who, it, the, it, who their favorite character is yeah it, it feels meaningfully different from the first one it yeah. does not just feel like they just made another one of those it feels like they changed enough in some pretty significant ways that it's like it feels pretty fresh also also it's been five years <laughs> i sure did see has. somebody um who i think it was a comment i'm sorry i don't know exactly what the name was 
said that um, uh, Firaxis and was it Midnight Suns? Is that the uh, is also going free movement on the? I believe they are. Yeah. So maybe that game also has like a whole card system to it, though. So (laughs) I I think the the similarities probably begin and end there. But maybe cards are just sparks, man. Yeah. You never know. Uh, Maybe this is where things are headed in uh, in the evolution of this stuff. But Mario. Mario is it is when they say it do they say Mario and Rabbids or do, yeah. does Nintendo say Mario Plus? Okay. Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope out uh as of this recording uh it is out on Thursday $60 on the Switch. Oh, 60. $60. Hmm. A regular $60. A regular old discount $60. Just $60 uh for your Mario and Rabbids. I like it so far. I don't know the length of it. But I was up to World 2, and it said about 17% on my side. I want to say the last game, for me, topped out somewhere around 20 hours, and this one feels like it might end up in a similar spot. Mm. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got more games to talk about. That's not it. Never take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about Scorn, Ghostbusters, Plague Tale. You won't want to miss it. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions. And at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, we are back, and time to go from Mario and Rabbids with Goop taking over the world to Scorn with Goop taking over the world? Biomechanical dongs. Tell me, so I have not touched Scorn yet. I I am going to wait until we're going to stream it on Friday. I'm going to try and go in fresh as Mm -hmm. a Scorn daisy. Yeah, we we did not get a look at the game pre-release, but then when it hit Game Pass last Friday... And when reviews came out, it became clear that a lot of people felt that they had not done a great job in the marketing of representing what this game actually is. And, like, essentially what I was seeing people say is like, oh, this is way more of a puzzle adventure game than it is a, like, I just, 
from what they had shown, it it just screamed like atmospheric first person shooter survival horror, right? Mm-hmm. And at least from what I've seen of it, and granted, I feel like I have progressed not one whit in this game. I've spent like a fair amount of time playing it and have not moved anything meaningfully forward, but it really is like nasty mist. Yeah. Nasty mist. Like it, it is it is like straight up a first person adventure game full of mechanical puzzles that don't tell you anything about how they work. It is super mist in that way of you're just dumped into an environment, like no real intro. No indication of why you're there or what you're trying to do. A bunch of machines all over the place. You need to figure out how to make them work. Huh. And except it looks like as like painfully HR Giger as it could possibly. It's like like, quite literal. I clocked like time to time to gigantic biomechanical phallus was like 30 seconds. Like I, 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 I mean, like quite literal, obvious dick. Yeah. It did not take long for that. I, I'd say that there's also a decent amount of Bixinski in there, uh, who is a, a Polish painter that is definitely of the uh, the the Geiger yeah. family. Sure, but sure. But like, yeah, that's that's what that game is. Is let's wander around the most fucked up paintings you've ever seen in your life. Um, but it's like straight up, just like there's, it's a bunch of control panels. Like most of what I've seen that you interface with to interact with the world and solve the puzzles are, you just walk up to a control panel and start moving things around. Depending on what that is for the puzzle, it's like, you're going to move some kind of lever or crane around, or you're going to move like a, like a grabby hand, like to like pull things off a shelf and put them somewhere else. Or like a series of like interlocking latches. And you need to figure out like what order to unlatch things to get a door to open. It's very much just like, mechanical logic puzzle type stuff it, it really feels like you've wandered into a biomechanical amazon warehouse like it is just a lot of cranes and carts and things and you just plugging your weird hand dick into stuff to operate the machinery yeah and and kind of like mist like there's a lot of area to explore right off the bat oh yeah which is why i say i played a decent amount of it and i haven't gotten anywhere because like they they give you one puzzle that has basically it, it's so straightforward it's not even a puzzle and it's essentially that's the tutorial for here's how you're going to interact with the puzzles in this game it's quite literally just open a door yeah it's literally like press one button and then the other button and it's like okay now i know how i'm going to interact with things and then you go through that door and then it's huge there's just like multiple stories like all kinds of different hallways and stuff corridors like everywhere. everywhere yeah like you can wander and poke at a bunch of different things which I did and didn't manage to actually solve any of them. How, okay, I have a couple of questions. Sure. So, is there an inventory? No. I have not seen one at not, all. Not that I've seen. I, I will say there is apparently combat later in the game. I have not seen that yet. So, I guess you will have a weapon at least of some sort, but not like an adventure game inventory that I'm aware of. Yeah, so and like in ha- the beginning, you basically you get a hand device attached to you, and that is the thing you use to kind of operate the stuff, but that's it. So... Uh- are you when you manip- manipulate an object in the environment? Do you have to hold it in your hand to bring it to some other? No, point? there's no there's no picking stuff up and moving it around. It's there. Maybe there is later, but everything I've seen is literally walk up to a control panel and like plug into it, and then you're like locked to that puzzle, and like the controls oh, then become okay. move move stuff back and forth, like activate stuff. It's you're not controlling your character while you're solving a puzzle. No, the closest okay. you get to that is sometimes you have to get through a door that is closing once you open it. And that's, that's about as much like immediate interaction you have with it. Is there um, a map in the game that annotates with where the puzzles are? No, I have not seen no. one. Uh, no. no map it, at it, all. It is intentionally obtuse. I think like the UI is very sparing. And even then there's an option, pretty prominent option in there to turn even that UI off and have nothing. And so, yeah, 
I've also they heard very this, much want you to figure this out yourself. I've also heard the saving is not very good. Like it's mm. there's like I think it's all auto saves and it kind of like the checkpointing is maybe not the most obvious thing. Mm. Do you uh, is the level design interesting enough where you recognize the corridor you're supposed to be in like, oh, here is this monstrosity in this one. Or is it a, a little samey because it kind of runs together a little bit. You okay. can pretty much get a sense of where you're going. But like the I, I, I did read in one of the reviews, like apparently as the game goes on, the imagery, the aesthetic changes pretty noticeably. But do like, you get lost a lot in that first area? I think I think it's going to take enough repetition and back and forth and like staring at things over and over that you'll mm-hmm. probably learn your way around. But like it, it the the hallways are relatively samey looking early okay. on. Yeah, it's like great art design, but like that whole opening area is definitely like I got lost pretty quick. Yeah. Okay, I mean like like an example of one of the puzzle machines is like it's like a it's a chair. Although I mean it's actually it looks like a scooped out eggshell or some nasty organic thing, but it's a chair. And when you press the button, an arm with a buzzsaw on it extends and like the buzzsaw starts turning and then it goes down. It lowers itself down over whatever occupant of the chair would be there. Gotcha. Some saw-esque. So, so it's, yes. So it's like, oh, I'm clearly, I'm going to need to find something fleshy to put into this chair and cut it open with this thing at some point. But probably not by picking it up and carrying it over there. I don't think so. They okay. Actually, yes. In, in that, uh, they they put a lot, they put multiple control panels next to each other in a lot of places. So in that case, if I remember, there's another control panel right next to it with like a grabber arm okay. on it. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you need to figure out how to use that arm to pick something up, except I couldn't figure out what to pick up and put that in the chair. It's like using multiple machines in sequence in a lot of these cases. Okay. I mean, listen, I like adventure games. I, We'll see if the uh, the trappings of this one seem like what is the selling point, right? The atmosphere, yeah, it's, and and fair teasing out the you know the puzzle solutions, figuring out how everything locks together. Is yeah. there a it 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 feels kind of in the spirit of like Seventh Guest and Mist? It does. I think that's part of my problem with it, though, is that like as much as I'm enjoying the art design and the the grossness of it all, I don't feel like the puzzle design is really that inventive. Like it's opaque. And there's yeah, definitely some opaque. challenge there, but it is not like there's not it's not really that interesting to be operating these machines because these machines aren't doing anything that is all that inventive or or novel. Mm-hmm. It's literally like, no, this crane arm just looks like a weird, you know, wet machine arm. But otherwise, you're just kind of doing very basic mechanical puzzles. OK, I mean. Theme is a big thing in adventure games. No, it is. And I think the theme is interesting. And I'm not one of those people that's like mad it's not a shooter. Like not hard. (laughs) Not at all. I don't care about that. It sounds like you're pretty mad it's not a shooter. The shooting, based on what I've heard about the shooting, I I think uh, most people are probably glad it's not more of a shooter. But but yeah, I don't know. It's just like so far, none of the gameplay has really grabbed me that much. Like I like wandering around the world and seeing what fucking horrible stuff is just attached to whatever the next room is. But that's kind of the only real propellant I've found so far. It, it it feels like the kind of game that is going to require a fair amount of patience and like willingness to just stare at stuff and not get it for a while. Yeah, like it it does not communicate like anything. Also, is- the first time I booted this game up, there was no sound. Huh? And I looked it up, and apparently that is a bug, at least on the Xbox version. And for a second there, I was like, "Are they doing some kind of weird statement here where there's mm-hmm. just no sound?" And that's like part of the art of it and then at some point the sound comes into focus and i was like no actually there's just a bug here you restart the console it fixes it but like it's just 
I don't know, like maybe not all the way there. Is there an a bigger story that you're let in on, or is you just wake up and you're no, you there, there's on. a there's a short there's a short intro that's really well produced but doesn't really it does some it does some interesting perspective like flipping between two realities stuff. Okay. But there's no actual narrative to be gleaned from it unless you think like seeing your character agonizingly crawl towards some spire and then fall through the floor and like wake up in some bone cocoon. Ew. It's yeah, it's like, you know. There might be there might be more implied narrative later, but it's it's very much a tone and aesthetic kind of thing. But I'm 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 really interested to play more of it when I have more time to like kind of really again, I think you're gonna have to kind of beat your head against it to to make any real headway. We're gonna take a look at that on Friday. I'm gonna try and jump in there. Fresh. Yeah, goop, I think goop free. I, I think it would probably be entertaining for people to watch. Uh, that is available uh, on Xbox and PC, $40. Also, uh, as Brad mentioned, on Game Pass. Currently. Also, runs very well on a Series S just because the topic of console game performance is in the news and yes. on people's lips. And also, I've got a weird story about that for probably the next game. The next game being Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. Uh, it's, it was Multiplayer Ghostbusters. The dream has been realized. It was interesting to me when we announced we did our stream on Monday and we said we're going to play some Ghostbusters. Seemed like more than a few people in our chat said there's a new Ghostbusters. Uh, I don't know if this game has been getting a lot of boost or or talk or buzz, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Alex, you mentioned during the stream this is from the people that made uh, the other Predator uh, Hunting Grounds, which was a which was another asymmetric multiplayer game yeah that was a game that was like one person is the predator there's a team of commandos and you know whoever wins we lose um yeah this is this is ilphonic did they also do the friday the 13th game did they do that one i thought that was a different studio though i could be misremembering there are a lot of these types of games these days Mm. you may have heard it's what the kids are into i mean dead by daylight was the one that kind of caught on big right yeah Yeah. dead by daylight is the big one for sure as far as i know um Um, but yeah so this is i'm just gonna say right out of the gate i did not like their predator game much at all i thought it was pretty weak and pretty pretty middling as far as like the actual gameplay went this is a big boost in terms of aesthetics and capturing the sort of Ghostbusters object fetishism that is uh, rampant in that that fandom. Uh, and the gameplay, I'd say, is slightly better. Dude, the hub is just the firehouse. It is. Firehouse. They just let you run around the firehouse. And Winston's there, and Ray is there, and uh, they, Bill Murray they, they is you, not there. They, they let you slide down the pole. Yep. You can, yep. They did. They don't, do want, the they don't want you to play the arcade games. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth is one. Yes. Of oh, that is Elphonic. Yeah, Elphonic okay. also did. Uh, yes. So yeah, this is a this is a four v one. The one being the ghost uh, uh, game where you make a. The story seems to be Winston was very successful at business. Winston then went on to buy. Winston back- got a double breasted suit. Winston's doing well. <laughs> Winston then went on to buy back. This takes place after the events. I think canonically of the Ghostbusters. First two movies? I'm not sure if it incorporates much else in there. So Afterlife is the one that is considered canon, I guess, now, because they're they're really trying to push that shit hard now. Ray does mention Egon's granddaughter or niece? I'm not sure. I haven't seen Afterlife. One of the kids, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think by name, and I think it was referencing that character. So uh, 
Winston buys back the firehouse and there's a kind of an intro cutscene where everything that was there is then scooped out of it and it is remodeled to kind of go back to where the original Ghostbusters firehouse set was. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and then it is Ecto one is there. The yeah. pole is there. Yeah. The science the, lab raised books is right across the street. The toaster that the dancing toaster is there. Bunch of uh, goodies in there for the nostalgia. And then the gameplay, you make your Ghostbuster, you get some customization options. You are a new recruit. They are recruiting up for the Ghostbusters, trying to rebuild the brand and rebuild the team. You have a a new um, Janine, basically. I was more like a producer of the Ghostbusters cat, yeah. right? I think is uh, is her name. She's your she's your kind of go to uh, person for missions and stuff. Take a mission. Four Ghostbusters go out into the field, you and three other friends or four randos, and then one person will be a ghost and you hunt the ghost or haunt a proton pack. Yeah. You're, uh, you're going out there. You're, you're shooting a proton pack to tie up the ghosts, trap the ghosts, weaken them, weaken them, disrupt the rift straight up, straight up run around with a PKE meter to try to find where the ghost is. They can identify or they can disguise themselves as household objects. Yeah, uh, the ghost, when I, I played the ghost, you could basically haunt an object or possess an object. The ghost objective is to raise the like haunting meter of the level you're on by either haunting things, scaring people, attacking Ghostbusters, etc. I, I, I keep swinging between, I like this game more than it maybe deserves, and maybe I don't like this game as much as I want to. I think that's like, fair. I think that's like, about that was, right. Those are the two ends of the spectrum i keep kind of rolling back and forth between like it it like you like you said the all the ghostbusters imagery is like pretty good yes like just being able to run around and shoot a proton pack in first person is throw good. a trap open the trap it's um, fun well first of all we'll get into this later it's got some issues technically mm-hmm. um i i feel like i've only played the ghostbusters i have not played a ghost yet uh and i played some matches with randos this morning it just I feel like it does not give you a lot of feedback about what you're doing wrong because like we just got worked by a couple of the ghosts where the process is you tell me if maybe I'm missing something. It's like I assume the more people that put tethers on the ghost, the harder it is for the ghost to get away. Right. That is the I way it's supposed and, to work. And I believe when you're the ghost, you can X out of a tether by tapping it and it gets much harder when other people. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Because and, and then, so you do that and then you throw a trap out and then. Yeah. Or if you're like any of the teams I played, all four of you throw traps out. (laughs) Right. But so that was the point where the ghost just kept getting away over and over and over. And the game didn't, it didn't feel like the game was giving me any feedback about what we were doing wrong. Cause I was like, okay, we're all shooting this thing. We all, we threw a trap out. Like, I don't understand why the ghost just breaks the tether every time it flies. It's it's two things, right? Like it's the, the problem is sometimes the chaos of the environments makes it very hard to read what's actually going yes. on. Like there's and bystanders running around, there's stuff exploding. You're getting like negative dollar amounts because you're destroying scenery. The, actually, another another part of that is that the, the range on the proton packs is really hard to tell. Like it's hard for me to tell if I'm just barely not making contact with the ghost. Mm. Yeah. And uh. the other thing is just that I think... Like, there's some neat environmental detail when the haunt level goes up. Like, it's stuff gets progressively more slimed. There's more garbage everywhere. Like, it looks like more, more like, you know, the ballroom at the end of that, that opening Ghostbusters, you know, bust than, than anything else. But I just don't think, yeah, it's like you said, it's a visual readability problem. And it's also that it's like, it's pretty limited because there's really only kind of three things you can do. PKE, trap, or, or shoot your, your proton pack. Yeah. And 
if you're doing all those things in the right order, you should it should be pretty straightforward, but it never quite feels that way. And I'm not sure why that is. I mean, it's just it feels like there's it's not all like it's the visual feedback. It also doesn't always necessarily like translate the feel of you've got this ghost in your, you know, in your proton mm-hmm. beam and you are actually dragging it toward the, the yeah. ghost trap because it's hard to tell where the ghost trap is actually lining stuff up. Yeah, you, you don't get there's no button for shortening the tether. You have to walk backwards, which is a is a little bit of a, a problem because the the oh, distance is that what it is? See, I thought it was right stick. I thought you were supposed to like kind of paint with the right stick your aim to drag it down. You no, actually have to walk. I think you have to walk backwards, okay. and then the, the aim on the right stick is up and down with your tether. I think yeah. it is uh, okay. Yeah, so, so that, that's the type of stuff I feel like it does not communicate super well. Uh, the other thing is you can't throw the trap out while you are tethered, so it's it's one or the other. So I've seen a lot of people break their tether to throw the trap out. And if everybody does that at the same time, the ghost is just going to get out of there. And the ghost has abilities. The ghost can spam abilities that spawns little ghosts, and then mm-hmm. they'll just they'll be like little ads in the level. It's got a couple of things that'll slime people. You have a PKE stun, which a lot of people don't use. It's very useful because it puts the ghost. It basically stops the ghost from doing anything for a second. So it puts your PKE meter down for a bit, but it does stun the ghost if it's within range and it's not, and that really helps just getting the ghost. The other thing I think they don't, they try to explain, but I think you have to, you have to play a couple of matches to really figure it out is the ghost has a certain number of lives. And so they're called riffs. And if you, you can go out and hunt the riffs, They'll show up on your PKE meter, and you can try and destroy them. They have a decent amount of health, but you're basically destroying the ghost's lives. If you don't do that, you have to capture the ghost as a four times. They have four total because there's three rifts, I think. Three rifts. So it'll feel like you've captured the ghost, and it'll just say the ghost has respawned somewhere else. And you know, it takes you a couple of matches to realize, like, well, are we doing something wrong? We just captured the ghost, but it just respawns out of a rift. Uh, and that can be weird because you kind of capture this ghost and suddenly you're just capturing the ghost again and then you're capturing the ghost again. As the ghost, I think once you play the ghost, things make a little bit more sense in what's going on because when I played the ghost, I was like, oh, this is what keeps on happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I get it. Like breaking the tether or, you know, uh, or trying to get out of the trap or, oh, this is what you hit when you're tethered to break a tether to spam this thing and it makes a little bit more sense and um what's been happening or why there's so many floating chairs around this level and 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 all of that but at the end of the day there is an upgrade system to get more gadgets you have to start with a grappling hook uh and that's useful you can get other gadgets you can get a the leveling seems to move fairly quickly but it's leveling based on use of items so if you use your proton pack a lot or the trap yeah you have a you have an account level and then each piece of equipment levels uh, yeah. independently. I mean, we should say it is it is a $40 game, but it certainly has all the trappings of a live game that could one day be free to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a little thin yeah. on the, uh, yeah. what it's, happens. It's a, bit, it's a little it's a thin, thin. It's a little janky in places. And I'm just going to say right now, I don't think this should have been an asymmetrical multiplayer game. I think this would have been mm. a better game if it was just a four-player PvE yes. kind of experience where, like, you had mentioned Phasmophobia when we were talking about it as yeah. like, you know, that game is a ghost hunting game and you have to do some research and kind of dig into like what what it is you're hunting. I don't necessarily think you need a ton of that, but a little bit of that would have helped. And I think having a more diverse array of ghosts that do not require player input 
and more like randomization and and maybe a greater variety of level designs would have gone a long way. But I mean, I'm talking about a different game effectively here, but yeah. I just I'm think with you. I think the thing they tried to turn fit this into works, but it doesn't work as well as it could. Yeah, like every rando match I've played so far has just degenerated into us running, like chasing the ghost in vain around the level for the last 10 minutes of the match yeah. and losing it over and over until it finally wins. And the, the, the go- playing as the ghost is not actually that much fun, I don't think. <laughs> like, it's not it's, bad, it, it's just kind of boring. It's a little boring. Like, you're kind of just basically avoiding the Ghostbusters trying to haunt as much stuff as you can or, or scaring them or slamming them. I, I think something where there was an escalation with the Ghostbusters would have been more interesting. Like, hey, the level starts off, you're kind of busting low-level ghosts, and then all four of you need to work together on a bigger bigger baddie. Right. And and there's really no... It doesn't feel like there's any escalation other than the timer maybe running out on the level, but there, the gameplay kind of stays the same throughout the entire session. You know, there's, there's no, like, oh my gosh, this is really hard now. It's yeah. like, eh, it's kind of the same. I mean, I think they're kind of fucking up if they don't do seasonal events and bring in some of, like, you know, not just the movie baddies, but, like, some of the more memorable, like, real Ghostbusters you know, mm. fucking uh, various v- villains. Uh, but I, I'm not sure this game is really geared toward that. Like, I'm not sure that there is a way you can do like a big Gozer fight in a game like this because it just doesn't seem like it's designed for it. I think you could have done stuff that requires multiple Ghostbusters to proton pack a ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't single player it. Like, you, you, yeah. you know, you need help. And that's because the stuff I've played with randos is very lone wolf. Everybody's just kind of running around until, until you find the ghost. It gets easier when other people are there, but the teamwork is not incentivized. I feel like in the early levels, there are other ghosts you can unlock, which have different abilities, but I I almost wish like, again, starts off with everybody can get their own ghost and escalates into something where three people have to be proton packing a ghost and somebody has to stun it or trap it or do something would have been, challenging and fun i think to say hey you guys need to get over here like i'm on trapping you're on proton uh i my two cents armchair development yeah yeah look yeah it's not terrible i I wish i had a sense of more of more of what is in the game but i have played at least half a dozen matches and have only seen that one map over and over and over and it could just be bad luck of the draw are you doing quick quick match yeah, Quick Match just keeps putting me into that same lobby. Okay. Is that a museum or something? Yeah, so you can do you can pick the map if you want. If you go to the other thing that's not Quick Play, and that's I did some stuff there because I didn't want to play with randos, and that's where you can play with AI as well if if you want. I kept getting matched into when I played by myself. I was constantly the ghost, and I wonder if that's because teams are trying to play mm-hmm. together. And if you're a solo person, you might be the ghost, but yeah. it. it there are a couple of them. There are like six maps, I think, in, okay. in the game. Yeah, There's definitely more than like one. See, I can tell you that. I would, I would like to see some of that other stuff, at least. The, the other thing, and granted, I was playing it mostly pre-release, to be fair to the game. I've booted this game up three times, and it has had, it has had, I've been, I'm playing it on Series S. It has had three profoundly different frame rates every time I have booted it up. <laughs> huh. When I booted it up for the first time on that stream the other day, and I was getting like maybe 15 frames a second, like it was unplayable. Right. Oh I was like... I was like, ooh, wow, is the Series S really like running out of juice already? What is happening here? The game crashed at some point and I booted it right back up and then immediately like steady, smooth 30. Okay. And then today I booted it up this morning and now it's running at 60. Oh, 
It's and getting better very, and better. And they have very visibly also lowered the resolution because there's way more aliasing on it than there was the other day. So I don't know if it's been getting patched. It a did lot. get it, right after we streamed when I uh, booted my Xbox up. A patch downloaded. Okay, uh, okay. For, for that okay. game. So okay, so it it seems to run pretty well on a Series S now, but it sure did not the other day. No, I've heard about that console, that Series S. We'll get I to hear that it's a potato, but right, we'll get to that in a second. Ghostbusters Spirit, Ghostbusters, Spirits Ghostbusters. Unleashed. It's uh, no any pots. What are we doing? Mm. I don't know. You I can't get any pots in for a day. Maybe she's got better things to do. I don't think uh, so. And I'm not saying this to diss Annie Potts. I love Annie Potts, but I feel like she is one of the more enthusiastic people from old Ghostbusters. Listen, if you gave me $5 Annie Potts vocal pack and I get to play as Annie Potts as my Ghostbuster, I am in. Oh, so like real so. Ghostbusters era where she became a Ghostbuster. Yep. Yep. I mean, if you get Rick Moranis in there. You will not I'll, get Rick Moranis in there. I'm telling you right now. $10. Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, available on everything but Switch, so Xbox Family, PlayStation Family, PC, $40, available now. I, my recommendation, see how they flesh it out over time, if you're yeah. if you're on the fence. Also, um, kind of like we said, see what the player base looks like, yeah. because you don't want to be playing with AI the whole time. AI also was not that great when I played with AI. It, it's like functional, but but that's about it. Yeah. Another game that uh, is on the Xbox and the PlayStation and the PC, Plague Tale Requiem. Now, Alex, you finished Plague Tale. I'm pretty sure Innocence? I did. Innocence. Innocence. Yes, I'm pretty sure I finished um, that game. It's a game I wanted to finish. I'm sad I didn't. I kept thinking about maybe going in and finishing it leading up to the release of this one. I did not. Not super long. Uh, yeah, I, I really, I, maybe I will still. I've played some of this Plague Tale Requiem. It is, uh, this was, this one is $50 on PC, $60 on console. It is also on Game Pass. You don't see that PC console divide as much anymore, but here it is, $10 um, less on the PC. How's, how's the rat tech? So I haven't, I've maybe not gone far enough, have not gotten to see a rat yet. It Whoa. is, yeah. This game has a pretty long and well done onboarding. Uh, it's it's a pretty good tutorial, but it's mostly story driven tutorial, uh, which makes it well done. But it is fairly lengthy. A uh, lot of sneaking around. A lot same, of same. Uh, oh, sorry, same same brother and sister characters, I believe. So I there is a character in it that. Um, I did not recognize from my time with the first one that they must meet by the end of the uh, other game. So you are you are kind of on on route with your mom and the the brother and sister, and there's another kid with you. And I don't know where they picked this kid up. I don't know if it's again at the end of the the previous game, but you're kind of making your way across the town, uh, across the countryside to go settle up at this alchemist something has happened to the brother alex do you remember he's infected he's got he's got the darkness something something's wrong with him he's got there's bad news with the brother the reason i'm i, I said i'm pretty sure i finished it yeah. is that i don't actually remember how that game ended up but okay. i do feel like i remember beating it so i don't really remember what happened with the brother at the end the brother's got the badness okay. something's wrong with the brother and he um, got the itis yeah something's bad you play as so far, Maya have played mostly as the sister uh, with her sling. It's kind of a scary game. Like you're playing as as kids who aren't necessarily at least set up in this game as hardened battle warriors, mm -hmm. and it's a little scary. You got these people that just want to kill you, and you're hiding. And when you get caught, you die. 
and that uh, was and pretty it, much the, the the tone of the first game too. Yeah, apart or from even the by rats. rats in the first one. Yeah, uh, stealth seems okay. The I, I like the atmosphere in these games. I turned on the French voiceover because I wasn't really liking the English voiceover. It felt like the French voiceover. Oh, that's interesting. I remember the voice acting. I like thinking it was generally pretty good in the first one. There's something. There's something just like. Mm, let me go try a different language here. And uh, I, I turned on the French, and I, I, maybe there's nothing inherently wrong with it. The little brother mm. seemed a little off to me. I don't know, little brothers, man. Uh, but it, I don't know. It, like the French one seemed fine. Subtitles are are, are fine. Uh, I did switch back and forth a little bit to be like, yeah, let me go back. But I kind of switched back again. I'm enjoying it. I'm very early on. I'm at the city now, uh, kind of running around and. It's just, I don't know, something about the tone of the first one also I really liked. It's not it's not over-the-top action. There is combat in it, but it's more of, like, you're under threat. The combat was, like, a very small part of the last game. Like, you would use the, the slingshot to knock some dudes down and out every now and again, but usually when people died, it was, like, in cutscenes, if I remember correctly, mm. and they didn't... Like, there's a decent amount of it, but they didn't deploy that stuff constantly. And a lot of times it was really much more about, avo- I almost said avoision, avoiding <laughs> uh, the the enemies that are chasing you. Yeah, I mean, I've smoked some fools in my slingshot. She, she definitely, get, you get the sense that she is on the other side of some journey. She spent some practice, time practicing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I'm curious to see where it goes. I might pause this and go just finish up the last one i think you know i want to say i made it maybe halfway through the the last one because there are some pieces i'd like to fill in with this world that i think i might be missing it's out now again like 50 dollars uh, said 50 dollars on pc 60 dollars on console i don't remember if the last one was a full price game i thought it was I thought it was like 40 bucks but it is on game pass if you subscribe to game pass so you can check it out there in between playing scorn on game pass uh, we've got another Game Pass game here that I want to mention, and I think Brad, you said you had some updates on, which is Grounded. Oh, I didn't play Grounded. Oh, I just I I just need to briefly rescind some of the credit that I gave them last. Oh week. no, why? What happened? Because I got out here with this Xbox and fired it up, and my single player save did not come over from Steam. It seems that uh, it seems that only making we talked about this, you can make a shared world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like opt your friends into also being able to access it. Uh-huh. So our shared world that I created is there. Yeah. But it seems like it seems like just because my other save is I made uh, a quote unquote single player game. On Steam. And not a, and not a yes, and not a shared. Okay. I, I just assumed it would bring your whole save file over, but it's just it's only shared save files. So shared you, stuff is hitting some server that can access yes. any version of grounded. Single player stuff is still on Steam yes. at least on the Steam version. And I, ironically, I believe you can turn a single player game into a shared right. world, right? Yes. So if I had just done that or made it shared, you yes. could make it shared and never let anybody else into it if you still want a single player game that is cross platform. Yeah, you can branch. But, I did that. I branched our yeah. world into a single player game. But it was a definitely record scratch moment of downloading it on the Series S and firing it up. I was like, oh, I'll just play some Grounded. Huh. And, I don't know. Don't think that's the case on the Windows version. I think yeah, you, I, you I, would, I would expect. Yeah. Yes, I would expect all the all the um, Microsoft distributed versions. Okay, on, on their own storefronts or in their own infrastructure. I'm sure the full save file goes back and forth, but not. I you know I was all excited last <laughs> week about like oh my god they like even on Steam now they have extended their okay 
cross-platform, cross-save stuff, but it's not quite that simple. Not far okay. enough. Okay, I mean, I, once you say it like that, it kind of makes sense that the multiplayer stuff is is housed on their Azure or whatever. Yeah, you know. I just I, w- I wish they gave you a heads yeah. up so I would have known, but anyway. Uh, I played a bunch of more of it. Our house, our base is expanded with the kids. Uh, I think uh, my daughter is reaching her, maybe her limit with uh, Grounded a bit. Uh, she was playing and she was like, well, what do we do now? And I was like, well, do you want to build anything? She's like, no. I was like, do you want to do combat? She's like, no. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know if there's much more for you in this game. It's kind of a build them, combat them game. It's kind of the vibe. Did, did, you, did you finish the story or no no i'm um i've got three burgle chips at this point i think we have at story wise i have to get one more burgle chip until we reach the next big story thing but uh i we built zip lines and zip line towers around the map now so we're cruising around the map they patched it so you have a sort now uh it was broken for a oh. little bit but i think that in an inventory sort i think it is fixed at this point hmm. interesting to launch your 1.0 of your two-year-old <laughs> early access game and not have sort in in time for launch but yeah it looks like they just got it in it was again it was uh crashing some folks uh play sessions there but i think they said they fixed that they nerfed a thing that i had been using for the haze lab which was this badge that said it was an accessory item that said 90 percent resistant to you know the poison that's around uh 90 resist but you got full immunity so you could just have this thing in your inventory slot and not be hurt by it and they all nerfed or fixed however you want to put it uh where now you still take that damage again and so now you have to wear the gas mask again. Huh, okay. that was a bummer because i was right in the middle of doing that stuff when the patch came out so uh there's that i i still really like that game as uh, a survival game in a sea of survival games uh you know in a crafting and survival game i like it um the things that i still want from it like you know some better ui stuff it's getting there maybe they'll patch more in uh the resource gathering can be a burden but there are ways to mitigate some of it i've started investigating those and i will say if people are getting into it my two cents now with a decent amount of time in it not a ton but a decent amount is just open up when you're going to fight a bug just open up the menu and find its um find what it's weak to it's such a huge difference if it's weak to slashing damage don't waste your time with anything else just use slashing damage Mm -hmm. you'll you'll save yourself so much time uh, have, have you also gotten a better feel for the weak points? Because, like, the ants, for example, have their eyes as weak points, but I, I never felt like I was... I couldn't tell if I was yeah. hitting them right or not. You know, like, I didn't really see any feedback. Like, oh, you're getting criticals by hitting in the eye or whatever. Uh, you know, I think if you're if you're playing single player, that's almost a moot point because they're always going to turn to face you. Or, you know, some of the spiders, I think, say weak on their, their backside or something. In multiplayer, I try to do it with the kids. If somebody else is engaged in the battle, I try to hit a weak point. But generally, I'm... Um, strafing and and just doing circles around an enemy and you know like the mosquitoes i don't know where they're weak to but i'm just there are some enemies that are airborne that are a pain in the ass um that are airborne but attack you on the ground hitting a gnat with a freaking arrow can be a pain in the butt i think there are lures eventually that you can get to lure flying enemies down but um it's fun i've had fun just building zip lines and building infrastructure around the whole thing we built um (laughs) i should show this on a stream at some point we built this gigantic tower that when i say tall 
it's pretty damn tall in the center of our base because we wanted it to be the hub for the zip lines and the zip lines only work uh, as you know like a zip line would you have to be start from a higher point and go down to a shallower point so we built this tower super high took hours to build we're hauling up freaking planks all the way up to god knows how high and it was all supported by one thing that my son was like hey this this uh this uh half thing is turned backwards i'm just gonna replace it and you just see him destroy it and you see the entire thing just collapse like a deck of cards and him just screaming <laughs> screaming oh as the, wow it, it must have taken seconds for this thing to just keep <laughs> falling and falling and falling um oh uh, you gotta learn eventually right <laughs> and uh uh you know it's just the thing that was like we didn't know it was so it tells you what how many things are supported by a piece, but we never pay attention to it. We just reloaded a previous save. It's pretty good about saving in auto saves in previous slots. We just reloaded, but holy cow, it was hilarious. Cause my daughter and I are just sitting there backed up watching this thing fall down. Incredible. It was, it was, it was pretty great. That was pretty I, great. I've moment. seen some videos going around of some of like the full on like colony bases people have been building in that game. And it is nuts. It is bananas. It is yeah. uh, it, wild. It almost makes you wish that they had like terrain shaping tools in there so you could actually flatten things out. Yeah. Tailor the landscape a little more to what you want to do, but you kind of want to start everything a little on stilts because, because of that, because you'll never be able to flatten the ground or at least I have never been able to flatten the ground out. Uh, but it's neat. I, um, I like it. I, I want to build more. I want to get in there. I mean, I could just spend hours building in there and, and you know, I've got, I've unlocked turrets for, you know, the base because you do get attacked. Uh, Automated. Um, I haven't bought them yet, so I'm not sure there's pollen turrets and pebbled pebblet turrets and I haven't bought them. Um, you know, the economy of, uh, raw science is, is tight and I need to get some more raw science. So yeah, I've explored a bunch and I just found the black ants not that long ago. So now we're dealing with the black ants and building black ant armor and it's fun. I'm enjoying doing it with my kids. They're having fun. I, I hope my daughter continues with it. Cause she's super helpful. She's, she's great. She collects a lot of stuff and helps out in fights and is fearless uh, getting out there. It's a, it's a lot of fun grounded $40 or on game pass. I also finished excavation of Hobbs Barrow. Hmm. Um, that game wraps up in a very adventure game way. It, it kind of takes a turn at the end where the puzzles get super end of adventure gamey, mm-hmm. uh, which means that they get a little obtuse and they kind of throw a lot at you at the same time. Not my favorite part of the game, but the kind of eldritch horror ramps up also. And I did actually enjoy that at the end. Uh, so neat game. I- yeah, I'm. I want to tr- check that out. I, I get back into town and my next to my PC six days before Halloween, and that seems like a very good time to play a full horror adventure game. Yeah, my favorite part was interacting with the townsfolk. So near the end of the game, you do less of that, and but you do get more of the horror stuff at the end. Got it's also f- finishing Gabriel Knight. <laughs> yes, kind of got me in the mood. You should check it out. That's fifteen bucks. That's on the PC. Uh, that's a point and click adventure game. If you didn't, if you didn't know. That's going to do it for the games for this week. Kind of. There are other games out there. We're going to get yeah, to them later this week. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in possession of Gotham Knights and are missing the embargo by a matter of hours. 
Yes. So if you're listening to the live brought or the uh, going live of this on the public feed, we will be playing that later today. You can tune in on Twitch to watch us jump into some bat boots and uh, um, and make our way around town. We'll get to a little bit of Gotham Knights in the news, though. Same same bat time, same bat Twitch channel. That's right. Absolutely. That's a very modern reference that I'm sure everyone. Oh, uh, don't Batman worry. It's, 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 it's only a matter of time before the TikTok teens discover 1960s Batman and it becomes uh, the next big trend. Before, yeah, but I want to say this not about any video game or whatever. <laughs> um, somebody, I have a friend who's a teacher and she was saying that uh, somebody was wearing like a Boys in the Hood shirt and they're like, oh, I like that uh, movie. And the kid was like, it's a movie. Uh, yep. No, no, you know what? Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and she's like, where'd you get the shirt? And she's like, uh, at a target. Is there something wrong? And I said, that's appalling. Is it, there's something wrong with like boys in the hood stuff being sold in a target, right? Wrong. I don't know. I just feel like at some point, like if you were a sufficiently popular enough 80s or 90s franchise, there will be some version of a apparel out there in mainstream stores. The same reason they were selling, you know, Metallica T-shirts at fucking Old Navy or the Gap or whatever fucking, you know, mainstream clothing store it was like. It's really just like a, hey, look, a vintage logo. Yeah, Yeah, I see. I see a lot of Nirvana shirts out there lately. And I, for a while, I naively was like, oh, wow, maybe like maybe the kids are getting into Nirvana. <laughs> Probably I, not. I think they just, I, uh, my friend who's a teacher kind of said they just seem to like the, the logos is what she hears yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. She said somebody was wearing a friend's shirt and she was like, oh, friends. And she's like, yeah, my friend, you know, Amy. I was like, oh, not the show. And again, what show? I didn't know it was a show. I just got it because we're friends. Um, but there's something about like a boys in the hood or even like a do the right thing in a big corporate store that feels a little, there's something extra crassly commercial about that. Yes. For particular something that is like, no, like target, you are the man and you, I don't think you can be selling certain, I mean, this was, this was like legitimate social commentary back in the day. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And like, "Mm, okay. I, Sure. I'm not disagreeing sure. with you. I just think that you are coming to this realization a little too late to stop it, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to stop. I'm never going to do yeah. anything to stop this it. This has been going on for some time. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, just was interesting. As somebody who has a kid who is now in a middle school, I can't I can't wait to uh, uh, for my son to ask for what? I don't know. Like, uh, Come home with a clockwork orange shirt. I've got a say, vintage NWA t-shirt if he wants it. There we go. And just walk he around. absolutely cannot wear that to school. I'm telling you blindly, right now. Blindly, just not knowing, uh, never knowing what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk, Ice Cube's in like family films now. It's totally fine. Yeah, they don't really play the NWA in those family films is the thing. No. no. Um, not without attitude. That's a, you Yeah, know, there you go. NWA. <laughs> <laughs> Sassy, mm-hmm. you know? It's a... <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with some news. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Alex Navarro, you know I love packages. I mean, I get them all the time. It's always an exciting time when a box arrives at your door. It is always an exciting time. Sometimes they open that box and it's from Bespoke Post. And inside that box, like this week... 
is a knife. That's a, a, you know, a thing I can use when I need to cut things. I think this one, I, this, I've gotten more than a few knives from Bespoke Post. Are you trying this- to say that when you get a knife, the thing you need to do with a knife is knife? I might have gotten around to said that in a shorter way. I, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one was a specifically a fishing knife, which means it's got uh, all the things you need to fillet a fish, let's say, or, or field dress a fish. Bespoke Post puts together a box of awesome. And things inside that box range from whiskey glasses, which I've gotten. I've gotten uh, incense things that I still have and use in my bathroom. Uh, and sometimes, occasionally, a knife uh, that'll go inside a kit that is themed because, Alex Navarro, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and each box is valued at around $70, but you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. This is one of my favorite parts, Alex. With each box of awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up and coming brand. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. To get 20% off your first monthly box, sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Code next lander for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com. Code next lander. Thanks, Bespoke Post. We're back and it is time for the news. Brad Shoemaker, when the news s- spreads, you're there to mm. put the jelly on it. As you, when Sometimes. The news spreads. Sometimes. You know, the catch it, scoop it up, and uh, make it spreadable. Make it. Sometimes I'm across the country trying to run from the news, but the news always <laughs> finds you. The news does always find you. What is going on in the news this week? Well, I'm glad you asked because not much. Mm, okay, is that good news? Uh, I've heard no, no news me. is good news. You tell me. Well, not if you're doing a news segment on a podcast. I assume. Want a little uh, news. Well, G4 shut down earlier this week. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, okay, look, I'm not trying to be dismissive here, but when they had that mass round of layoffs recently and things seemed to be turning in that direction, it seemed like more of a question of when and not if. I Yeah, and I, I guess they had a leadership shakeup around that time as well. And so, yes, the, the new current, now former head of the division... Uh, let the axe fall on monday i'm uh i'm put myself in the camp of i'm an old games person from Mm -hmm. games media i'm old we all are and i've been doing it a bit not as long as you guys so i guess i'm young relatively but like when this thing started back up i thought is there an audience for this because i feel like i should be the audience for this but i'm not the but i'm not here for this I, I'm of two minds about it. I I think that it's not that there was no audience for this. It's that that audience was just not big enough to sustain the kind of production that they tried to turn it into. And the other thing is that G4 was a TV network, first and foremost. 
Nobody gives a shit about t- cable television anymore. Cable well, television is basically dead. It was kind of the t- the games TV network. Yeah, it was the only one. I mean, there was, you know, Spike TV did their stuff, but it was never <laughs> officially a games network. G4 was the games network for yeah. as long as it lived until they started just showing reruns of cops or whatever when they <laughs> ran out of gaming programming. Um, but here they were trying to thread a needle between the thing you remembered, which was the kind of television production style version of G4 and a thing that lived online next to all the Twitch streams and YouTube streams that everybody already watches. Yeah. And the overhead they had created and the production they had created seem always seemed like a bad fit if it wasn't going to be markedly better than the stuff people were finding online. And I don't know that I ever thought it crossed over into better than what most people could find online. Yeah. Yeah. The world has changed. Like, yes, the online landscape, as we all know, is as competitive as it gets on the TV side, though. It's like, it's not just that there's no room for a dedicated games cable channel. It's that there's no room for cable channels at all. Barely. Yeah. Like, who cares about television at this point? I have cable television, and I understand that is a signifier of how fucking old I am. Mm. Yes. Like, the very idea of TV that you have to just sit down and watch because that's what's on is, I feel like, not super long for this world. Probably not going to be tomorrow, but, like, even I, as a 40-something, already feel like the idea of, like, having to sit down at a specific time and watch a thing is so antiquated. (laughs) I'm just like, what are we doing? So the idea that they were going to get back into TV is just like, what? And the thing is, you know, they got some good people together to put on this thing. Like they had some good hosts, they had some good producers and talent, but the whole thing felt a little rudderless right from the get go. And it just felt like they never found a way to kick it into gear that made it seem again, more noteworthy than what you could find on an average Twitch stream outside of the basic production quality around it. I was reading this story, and nothing really surprised me too much in it. I mean, it's kind of a tale you could have predicted a bit. The only thing that kept coming up that I was kind of not sure about is what's a spectacore? What's 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 the the like possibly the most sinister name for a cable TV division that I've ever heard? What the fuck is Comcast? That's a bad guy in Silverhawks. What the fuck? It's a Comcast Spectacore. Comcast yeah. Spectacore. I don't like it. Um, that just sounds like because it's signed. Uh, it mentioned a couple of times in the article because they were the people. The Comcast Spectacore was the kind of money behind this. But then the person who writes the kind of dismissal email at the end, David Scott, Chairman and CEO, Comcast Spectacore. Yeah, he's he's the guy I mentioned earlier who came in to run it after the the management shakeup. It just sounds like you signed, you know, Imperial, you know, <laughs> Imperial Droid Master yes, or something. There is definitely some sort of like future space Roman Empire feel <laughs> to the name Comcast Spectacore. Spectacore. <laughs> oh, you cross the spectacores? Uh, I'm on the run uh, from the spectacores. I, I think, reading this deadline story, I, I think it is the division that it, it kind of pursues esports type stuff. Spectacore. Primarily. I don't. It, reading some of the accounts from people who were laid off from there or fired during this, you know, this shutdown announcement, it sounds like there was a real gap in leadership there also. Like there was like a lot of that directionlessness, I think came from the top 
And, you know, I, I do think there were some people there that were trying to do good work and do interesting work, but it seems like there was just for all the resources they were pouring into this thing, it seems like very few of them were allocated to the things that might have made it actually stand out. It's hard. It's a weird, it's a yeah. very different landscape than when G4 was out there. Um, I think the nostalgia could have bit, but I don't think it did bit, bite that hard. That's, that's I, That I, makes sense. I mean, I'm speaking purely personally here. I don't think I understand the mentality that would require that would allow for nostalgia for G4. And that is not to say that I hated original G4, mm. but I was never that interested in it. And I think that maybe it's just because I've been too molded by the Internet over the years, but it always seemed like a tough sell to keep a video games oriented network on TV in general. Yeah, I mean, we we have looked at this. Not too dissimilarly of like hey look at the landscape from when we started giant bomb to today yeah it is completely different you know it what remade giant, itself multiple times over what giant bomb was at the time was fairly unique and now people streaming video long form video games and personality based stuff is an industry it is yeah but also giant bomb still had one foot in the old world yeah yeah like it was still very much trying to be a serious video games review outlet, editorial outlet on top of whatever other nonsense. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And most of that has fallen by the wayside. Well, it's just that I also think that that um I don't even know what games criticism on that. I think that old world is destroyed. That is pretty much, you know, um it's not that no one is doing good critical work out there, it's just that there's no way for it to get to, to rise to the top over everything else. Well, yeah, it's just not where the mass market is anymore. Yeah, yeah that's that's what I mean. Yes, there are there are I enjoy and hope to continue enjoying critical takes of video games, but like a scored numbered, you know, aggregated thing just doesn't seem like there's appetite for that as much. As much. As much. G4. Nostalgia only take you so far. Now ah, listen, we got 15 years. G4 will come back. Somebody will do it again. Nothing ever goes away. Um, except potatoes. What's ah. up with Gotham Knights? What is this Gotham Knights stuff? Uh, you tell me. No, wait, we can't. <laughs> I, have, I have, I have, I uh, have, uh, some Gotham Knights to share with people later on on Thursday in the afternoon. We're going to do some Gotham Knights, but there's a story about Gotham Knights and it's to repeat myself, a storied development. This game has been around kicking around for a while. Some stuff has gotten out there. Brad, it kind of kind of blew up over the weekend that Gotham Knights across all consoles will have only a 30 FPS mode, no performance mode to speak of. Uh, Man, I've been saying it since these consoles came out. Don't get too attached to your performance modes, but here we are. Mm. People are people are not happy. Uh, I straight up saw a bunch of people responding to this saying, I can't believe they're charging $70 for this if they're not going to put a performance mode in. Which Wait, what? I, I don't know what those expectations are that that is. <sighs> oh, we broke that, something along the way, <laughs> didn't we? that ties into like how much the game is worth paying for. I mean, I know I'm very much on the, the old world side of consoles should not have these delineations between frame rate or texture quality. I I wanted, I want a 60 frames per second mode in every game ever released. I know, but I I wish, I wish it would just be one or the other. Like I, I don't like it, but that's, I, I also recognize I'm in the minority at this point. Well, I mean, so there, there's no, there's no, look, we're not developers. We didn't work on this game. Uh, but it's not 
clear what the deal is here because this is a game that started as a PS4 Xbox One game that then since uh, was converted to just a, a new console game. Um, I mean, they cite, you know, they cite the, like the untethered co-op, the fact that you can like run away from each other and explore different parts of the world and like a high quality open world or high fidelity open world or however they put it as like reasons that they couldn't get a, a higher frame rate in. Like, who knows what the technical reasons are in this case. But, again, I've been saying it for a while. Like, we're always going to hit a point where somebody wants to use the power on these consoles for something other than more frames. Right. Like, like we're, like we're absolutely going to hit a point where... I hope we don't. I would love for that not to be the case. I would, nobody would be happier to be wrong than me uh, about, like, if, if every game does have a performance mode, then all, all the better. But, like... It was always that back-of-box screenshot thing, right? Of mm. make the screenshots look as good as possible. Right. Like, make the trailers look as good as possible. Like, at some point, they're going to spend their performance budget on fidelity rather than more frame rates. Strider for the Genesis. The, but at uh, the same time, sure. if, giant sprites. If the game is running at a solid 30, and that's if. I mean, I, I don't know that it does necessarily, but if, if it is actually hitting that target and running at a solid 30, then... I don't have a problem with that. It's if mm-hmm. it's not actually hitting that, that, that I, I start to wonder, okay, what's going on under the hood here? Yeah, that, that's a whole different conversation. Under the red hood? The solid, uh-huh. like, yeah. I mean, just about everybody would say that under, like, a noticeably under 30 is not really playable. If it impacts gameplay, for sure. And uh, this game seems like it would be a fluid game where you're riding around Gotham and would want, you know, on, on like, a, 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 a bike or something like that. And, and you know, like I, I am not a, I am not a frame rate snob. So yeah, a solid thirty is fine for me. And as long as that you don't, you don't feel the ups and downs. That's where it starts. You know, where that's where it becomes a problem. Yeah, where, where stuff is like, oh, it's really in. You know, some games where you're inside a building and suddenly the frame rate is butter smooth, and you open a door and it's chunky and and gross, and the peanut butter yeah. is bad. Yeah, I mean- uh, you know, we, we've had this conversation a thousand times over the years. There's certain genres like driving and fighting that need higher frame rate for, for precision gameplay reasons. Yeah. Uh, but cinematic, single-player, story-driven stuff, not so much. Right. Is this the game that is going to get away with, like, looking so good that it doesn't have a performance mode? I doubt it. So what are but, they... Like, that's going to happen eventually, right? Like, eventually we're going to have our Gears of War or our Uncharted 4 this generation... Or something comes along that does look so good that everybody's like, oh, wow, okay. Like, we're okay this is, with this. This is why you couldn't do a performance mode, because holy shit, look at this. I don't think this is going to be that game, though. Uh, what are, so what are they saying? This is kind of some of the... This is the trouble. Hot water they got in, right, Brad? So what is the some of the story here? Oh, well, I, I gave their official... Any other comments were not related to <laughs> the potato stuff. was not them. That was a Rocksteady developer who called the Xbox... Blamed the... It's not even the developer that made the game. Mm. A Rocksteady developer got out on Twitter and blamed the Series S for holding games back this generation and referred to it as a potato <laughs> and then deleted those tweets rapidly. Mm. But again, the official messaging from the developer is like untethered co-op and okay. like high quality open world are the reasons that we couldn't do this. Mm. So not because of a potato. Scorn runs very well on the Series S. It does. Granted, that's a very granted. That's a very uh, well, I'm talking about the S. I'm sure it runs. You're talking about the X, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm saying I've, I've seen people say that it runs well on the S okay. as well. Okay, yeah. And granted, that's a very like small scale, self-contained world, pretty limited sight lines and stuff. But 
that runs well. Ghostbusters now runs well after a bunch of patches. I don't, I don't know. You you don't have a sample size where you have had repeatable bootable frame rate results, right? You still got true. Yeah. It's true. I'm gonna need to boot it up at least two <laughs> or three more times and have it run the same before I yeah. trust it. We'll have more on Gotham Knights again uh, Thursday uh, around 3 p.m. Eastern. You can check it out for yourself. We'll be streaming some of it on an Xbox Series X console. More to say at that point. That game comes out the 21st, PS5, Xbox, Family, and PC. Uh, okay. I, I, will, I will be curious if they add a performance mode later. Yeah. I'd, I don't know for sure. But Well, like they said in their thing, it's not as easy as just uh, turning the textures down, right? That's Sounds impossible it. to me. We'll see. We'll see. They added sort to grounded. Who knows what they can add to Gotham Knights. Uh, Bayonetta. This one. This is Man. a wild one. Who wants to s- just kick this one off? I I was traveling all weekend, so I've just kind of caught up on this after the fact. Like Alex, you, did you? I saw some of it, it go down. Yeah. Okay. So here's the, here's the basic timeline of events as far as I can I can parse it out. Um. So as we all know, Bayonetta three has a different voice actress for the lead character uh, in the West. It is Jennifer Hale taking over that role from Helena Taylor, who had done the first two games. Uh, there was never up to this point, there had not been a lot of detail as far as why that change was made. Um, the director had kind of said just like it didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, so Helena Taylor produced a video and put it out where she says that she was offered a, basically a rate of about $4,000 to reprise her role in the game, uh, and found that offer incredibly insulting. And so following that, uh, that is when Platinum decided, made the decision to go with Jennifer Hale and move on from her. Uh, and she was pretty salty about it and pretty upset about like, you know, sort of having the, what she perce- seems to perceive as the character kind of being taken away from her and, you know, kind of being getting this insulting offer from Platinum and Nintendo. And I straight up called for a boycott of the game and said, like, you know, fans of the game should not buy this because they they fucked me over. And that set off a firestorm, as as these kinds of things tend to do, uh, with definitely a lot of back and forth on, generally speaking, you know, the whether people would actually bother to boycott the game or not. Like, was she being fully truthful? Kamiya was out there being Kamiya and being a big old dickhead online about this he's basically saying you know she was lying and kind of you know say also being very quick to block people before his account more or less got deleted <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just him that's that, just him. that's 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 hideki kamiya from platinum for people who don't know and yes he his twitter persona maybe if people were not familiar with it this was not the best way for them to become acquainted with it but he has very much been a like over the top zero tolerance i block all haters type on twitter for a very long time while also being incredibly needling to people with his tweets and sort of the way he behaves online like he's cultivated a heel persona for himself on twitter and i feel like this is the the unfortunate underside of what happens when you do that because when a real issue pops up nobody is going to sanction your bullshit uh for that kind of thing whether he's telling the truth or not um so that went on for a few days and, you know, Jennifer Hale got a lot of hate directed at her, which doesn't really seem like it was justified because it seems like she didn't really know much about what was going on here. I mean, she can't talk about it because I think she's under NDA. 
but yeah, it seemed pretty it, it indicated that she like she took the role she was not doing this out of any malice despite helena taylor or really even knew much about what was going on there um and then in the last day or so uh there's been some additional reporting from jason schreier at bloomberg and also uh other outlets that have, have confirmed his reporting where he says that he has talked to sources within i'm assuming platinum and or nintendo uh and has seen documentation that says she was offered let's say substantially more than what she said in that video which is to say that she was offered about four thousand dollars per session for a about five four-hour sessions um now granted you know this is before taxes and before you know agents fees and a bunch of other things so while that number is bigger, it's not necessarily like, oh, she would just have gotten that money, you know, flat out for that work. But at the same time, I think it's a couple of things here, right? Like, it's the, the way she framed it and the way she kind of, like, presented this as a, you know, they are fucking me over. Can you believe this? Please don't buy this game. And the reality that, like, she kind of omitted what sounds like, or at least she sounds like she omitted some stuff here. Though there is a very real conversation to still be had about the what the kind of rates video game voice actors get in general, which I feel like some of the tone of this maybe kind of muddies that conversation in a way that is not very helpful. Yeah, the, the last detail of the Bloomberg report is that they they came back and offered her that what would have amounted to about 15 grand. Yeah, uh, which I, some other a bunch of oil like this is, yes, created a huge a discourse, let's say. Mm hmm. Uh, a bunch of other video game voice actors have now weighed in in various capacities on Twitter about this. From the sound of it, 4,000 a session is about four times the SAG after a union rate that a, that a session normally is about $1,000 union. Um, but it's after also they, offered, they offered her what would have amounted to roughly maybe about 15,000 that she, she then came back and said she wanted 100,000 plus royalties on the game and that's when they decided to hire jennifer hale instead which you know okay so there's some of those threads have kind of gone into detail about this stuff and it sounds like that four times rate is actually relatively comparable to what a lead actor of note gets for a video game uh not necessarily a celebrity but like you know someone like in in, in one of the more regularly contracted voice actors that you see in a lot of video games that's maybe what they would tend to get um the residuals thing is interesting because that was a sticking point in the uh, the sag after uh, voice acting strike that happened in 2016. Uh, the union really wanted a way to get residuals to, like, especially lead actors in video games. Um, and after about a year of striking, they didn't get that. They got some some basic increases, but they didn't end up getting a whole lot of what they wanted out of that. And I think that contract is up in the relatively near future, which means that I'm wondering if the this this and maybe things like this might renew that conversation in a way that might result in, you know, more scrutiny on that aspect of the deal. But I also I don't know that voice actors have any more leverage than they had the last time around. Yeah, the, the idea of game voice actors deserving royalties goes all the way back to like at least 2009, 2008, because remember the the actor I can't I can never remember the, the name of the actor who portrayed Nico Bellic in Grand Theft Auto 4. Yes like very prominently started a public campaign to try to drum up support for the idea that he deserved royalties from that game. And I cannot remember what was it rockstar did in response. Was it that I think they cut ties with him and like maybe 
kind of wrote him out of any subsequent anything they did, I think, was kind of mm. essentially how they responded. Yeah, they definitely kind of blackballed him. Like, I'm not saying the industry did, but like Rockstar definitely yeah. kind of disavowed that guy. Right. And that character. Yeah. In this, uh, in this probably worth noting in the video game chronicle story that I was looking at, um, Taylor denies that she, you know, yes. she, she, so she made this offer or request that's, points. That's where stuff gets weird is that after this Bloomberg story came out, she literally said, Oh, they're lying to save their own asses. Mm-hmm. And then Schreier came back, responded to that by saying, I've seen the documents. I've seen documents that indicate that, that this offer was made. So if unless they in the last week forged a bunch of documents that sort of show that offer, then I, it's you have to cast at least a little bit of doubt on, you know, that aspect of what she's saying, which is, again, not to say that there isn't a totally valid conversation to be had here about what voice actors earn, whether they deserve residuals. I think they do. Um, and you know, they, I think they certainly deserve, you know, at the very least something that is, you know, on par with like what an animated series or like what voice acting for anime in the U S tends to make, which I, I, I think anime voice actors actually don't make a ton more than this. Um, but that like, they don't make much is the thing. Like the, the rates for video games are actually pretty shit across the board unless you are famous. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. The, st- the status quo, even in like feature film animation, generally seems to be you only make real money from animated voice work if you bring a massive amount of celebrity to the project already. Right. Well, right. They want. I'm sure the the math there is getting Chris Pratt as Mario brings in X amount more money than having not Chris Pratt as Mario. Right. right. And that's the that's that's the calculation going on there. And in video games, when you voice an iconic character you know we get used to that voice in a character and and it disrupts it is disruptive when you know that voice doesn't return i don't know the economics of it i don't know if bayonetta sells fewer copies because the voice has changed that's well that, that's another that's another rub here is this this gave me reason to go look up how bayonetta has performed and i did not realize bayonetta 2 was not a successful game it only sold like hmm. two hundred and fifty thousand copies on the wii u it was a wii u game is the thing uh great yes granted but then but then they ported it to the switch and as of I think April of this year, it had only done a little over a million on the Switch. As and that's well. Bayonetta 1 and 2 in a package. Yeah, which, I mean, like, million is not nothing, but it is not really, like, For Nintendo, hit. it's kind of nothing. Yeah, for it's not, it's not serious hit territory by any means in 2022. I mean, there are over 100, well over 100 million Switches out there, so. Like, she kind of went in on the video and said something like, that game has made, like, those games have made something like $400 million worldwide or whatever, and... I don't think the math completely bears out on that. Like, I think they, those games made money, but they just did not make that kind of money. Yeah, it's just like like GTA 4 was a much better test case for this kind of thing because yeah. that did make untold amounts of money, right? And Nico was a big part of what made that game interesting and successful, I think. And and I guess I guess that actor worked off and on for like a year on that game, like the mm. Rockstar Projects. Like, this is, this is like a 10-hour linear story-driven game, right? Like... Yeah. Something where people are like doing physical motion capture as well as voice acting and are working for like months or years at a time is probably a better springboard for this kind of conversation. Oh. It's yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I sympathize with I think the overall argument that there there needs to be a much greater scrutiny paid to what actors get in video games, whether residuals are are a viable option or not. I think they should be, but. 
you know, I'm obviously not privy to what those kind of numbers actually look like. But in general, I feel like there was a, you know, the 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 raging heat with which this came out and sort of like the way it kind of just, you know, it punctured the discourse and kind of made everything about Taylor in particular, I think is not going to do this whole subject any favors. And, you know, I I, I don't doubt that they definitely lowballed her on, you know, a character that she is definitely, you know, she's not the only voice actress for that character, but she is the Western voice actress for that character. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she feels some sense of ownership over the character. And I think some or, or of that maybe, is, is totally justified. But Or maybe there is truly a misunderstanding in, in terms of um, what, she thought the rate was and what they were, they were offering the rate. I, I don't know. Maybe there was a genuine because if there's documentation and she's standing by this never happened. I mean, that's, that's a bold claim. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how, how you, I don't know how that mistranslation yeah. continues for that long. That's a, that's a tough one. I mean, she stated again on the record in this video games chronicles article that she just wants us to be behind her. And I think that's tough considering the kind of incendiary stuff that went yeah. up uh, across the board. I think, I think it's going to be tough to, to put, if you want this to be behind you, why are you calling for a boycott? Which again, I, I'm, I understand where you're coming from on this, but like, yeah. it kind of feels like this got out of your control and now you're not sure how to rein it back in. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you said, people like Jennifer Hale just got caught in the crosshairs of this for no good reason. Yeah. And, and clearly received a lot of harassment herself. Messy, messy, and it sounds like, um, like you said, Alex, maybe not done with this as negotiations might flare up for. Yeah, you know, I, listen, we're all for fair compensation for fair work, and not you know, uh, all the money at the top and tiny. I think even as Taylor said, tiny crumbs basically trickling mm-hmm. down to the bottom. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. I think a lot of this is due to the fact that video game development is just so fraught in general and the working conditions are so poor across the board Yeah, that like I saw a fair number of working game developers who are more on the ground, like, you know, artists, modelers, level designers, people like that, you know, like those people certainly are not getting royalties. Right. You know, like there there may be bonus structures, you know, different, different studios and projects may have different bonus structures in place, but like, there was a there was a bit of ire there, right? From from people doing what is the even less glamorous work on games, right? Like uh, I saw, are the animators for Bayonetta also getting points? Right. And right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's um, I think there's it, definitely a real conversation to be said about how that money is spread around in general. Yeah, and and I think I think I think as things progress more, and as there's crossover, here's here's what I would hate to see, uh, and and this is kind of tangential, but. As we see more things like the Mario movie getting made, you start to see an even more blurred line between Hollywood and video games. I don't necessarily want Hollywood celebrities to push the video game voice acting um, talent down lower. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we could get any, we could get, um, you know, any Hollywood voice actor to come in here and do our character, which would, I think would then push the credibility of video game voice actors, even the scale down even more. Right. Because, you know, there are, you know, when that stuff's on the table and if people are taking that work, it's going to be harder to compete when you're not on camera and you're just, you know, your background character. I, I think that's a tough thing. So hopefully there are some protections in there too, or, um, you know, it's an industry I love. I, I don't want to see it 
be kind of bullied out of the way by Hollywood, um, you know, people who have had their made their way in Hollywood. And then it's all as much as I like Charlie Day, <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't want see. him voicing Luigi in the games. Yes, exactly. Or like, you know, taking over some of that stuff, you know, uh, you know, as, A mu- Luigi, <laughs> as much as I like the quarry, I like the quarry, I think, because the likenesses are there, too, and everything, you know, it's a. Uh, very different yeah yeah those games i feel like uh listen nothing against david arquette like i would not go as far as to call him a has-been or something but like those games i feel like those games mostly are either getting like up-and-comers or again i don't want to he's not a has-been but what is the he's like kind of into the uh alex what's a nice term for the later years of his career Uh, twilight years sure you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like they're not Oh, actually, the director of the quarry said that in that interview we talked about like a month ago, like he said, like, yeah, we can't go get Tom Cruise for one of these games because that's the entire budget of the game. gone. So, like, I I feel like they've been good about getting like celebrity actors who are a little more like reasonable and maybe a little less known. I think they're looking for people who are currently occupying the direct streaming market. Okay, sure. I'm not saying that derisively. I'm saying that like that is a place where actors like them can go get work steadily. That's where Lance yeah. Henriksen can get a paycheck. Yeah, multiple times a year. Right, and that's fine. I mean, that's yeah. great. Um, but I think we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what what happens. And uh, poof, things things do flare up pretty quickly, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for the news. Got a lot of games to play. I've got mm-hmm. a lot of bases to build and grounded. I've got a lot of scorn to get to on Friday. I've got uh, some Gotham Knights to get to. Uh, again, if you're listening to the public feed later today or a couple of hours ago or whenever you listen to this relative to your time, maybe it happened on Thursday, let's say. Thursday uh, around 3 p.m. Eastern. What else is going on? Monday we had Rabbids. And Mario, you can check that stream out. We played some Ghostbusters together. You could check that out as well. Of course, we got the Watchcast, and we're wrapping up our Carpenter time. Closing in, we just recorded They Live, which will be up on the Patreon feed next week. And then we're going to close out with Halloween for the week mm-hmm. of Halloween uh, on the Patreon For the feed. day of Halloween. On the day of the Monday of Halloween. So you can check all of that out. Again, the Watchcast, where we talk about the movies we watched. Yes. And you watched. Not talk during. We're not doing commentary. We're doing post-commentary. So go search the Next Lander Watchcast anywhere where fine podcasts are found. Uh, I think that's going to do it for the show. I want to thank everybody for listening and supporting us. Of course, if you want to go support us, you enjoy this podcast. You support anything we do. Uh, just by listening to it, watching it, checking it out. But you can also go over to patreon.com slash nextlander and find a tier that's right for you. That's where you're going to find things like Never Been a Better Podcast, the Video Ramblecast, the Audio Ramblecast, Early Access to the Watchcast. All these great things can be yours over at patreon.com slash nextlander. And as an added bonus, you make all of this possible. Not only do you get that other stuff, but everything we do on top of that, you help make possible. There is one tier, though, on the Patreon that gets their names read on this here show. It's the Mysterious Benefactors tier. It's a very special tier. And we have those names in front of us. We have asked, the, we have gone to great lengths to get these from the spectacle. Spectacor? What was it? The, what's the, 
The, the, I think that's what it was. Spe- we have gone through many Bothans died to get these uh-huh. from the Spectacore, and we have that list here with us. Alex Navarro, our yes. mysterious benefactors. Yes, our mysterious Bothans are <laughs> Alex's heebie-jeebies of unknown size. They're enormous. John Richardson, Vornak, Vinny's giant booga boogas, Kelly F, James Smith, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard. Sean Miller, Brad's mid-size hoodoo voodoo, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Hashtag Bunny Slimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Razgriz Boo, Brian Murphy, Terror and Agony Arg, Kevin Villato, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are the Mysterious Benefactors for this week, and a big thanks to everybody who has supported us over on Patreon at any tier. Big thanks to everybody who's watched, listened, got out there, got some merch, sporting that Nextlander cap. All those fun things. Uh, more coming up from Next Lander. Like I said, last podcast, we're looking to do some design refresh stuff. It's been interesting to think about kind of internally. So um, maybe if you're over in the uh, Discord, we'll chat about it as stuff comes up. Get some feedback there as well. Again, don't forget to watch cast, the Ramble cast, never been a better podcast, the cast the cast. Cast of cast. The great Next Lander cast of cast. Um, I was on the uh, trivia all-star thing with uh, MinMax. That was a lot of fun. Alex is always uh, going in, talking about Michael Mann somewhere. Mm. bunch of stuff is happening. Look for us in the greater world. Thanks, everybody, for subscribing and supporting. Thank you, Alex Navarro. Thank you. Brad Shoemaker, you'll be back in town next week, yeah? Yes. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us while you're away. Appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Be good, everybody. See ya.